Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Syrup Arcade Cast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian game focused podcast. I'm Dean, and across the internet from me is Brad Shankar, the gaming editor who just loves games. Uh, how are you doing today, Brad? Good, thanks. Excited to talk uh, about the Game Awards. Me too, me too. And on this week's episode, we have not the singer, but the beloved, because the other one isn't quite beloved anymore. He's cancelled AF. Uh, Chris Brown. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? Always great to be introduced as not cancelled. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so first, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. We're hoping to refresh both the Syrup Arcade cast and the Syrup cast, this Syrup cast in the new year. So over the next few episodes, you'll notice we'll try different things, trying some new things out, different segments. Um, and yeah. So with that out of the way, let's dive into some news and what's going on in gaming. So first of all, this conversation we'll be talking about the Game Awards and the Game Award nominees, and that's some big news that came out last week. Uh, I believe it was last week, right, Brett? They 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 nominated everyone. Yeah. So that's that's some big news. Uh, we also have some Black Friday deals going on at MobileSyrup.com. There's tons of gaming ones. Brad did a gaming roundup of Black Friday deals. Uh, so take a check, take a look over there if you want some discounts on some cool games. I think I saw that, I think Elden Ring's half off, I think. I don't know, there are, there's a lot of big deals. Check them out. Uh, up next is the Internet so- Entertainment Software Association of Canada and Circana have revealed the best-selling games of October. Uh, it's really cool. Every month, uh, Brad gets an embargo and we get to share about the best games of the of the month uh, in Canada. Uh, and this month, it, Spider-Man 2 was number one. Uh, I bought it, so I'm like, I'm one of those numbers. Uh, NHL 24 was also up there, alongside Super Mario Bros. Wonder and Assassin's Creed Mirage. You can learn more about that on Mobile Syrup. Uh, Kotar is getting a uh, PS5 remake, is getting cancelled reportedly. It's, it's unconfirmed, but I don't think the remake was confirmed, right? Was it? The remake was confirmed over two years ago, but we've never gotten an, an official update on it since. The The CEO just kind of pretends that it's still in development. And even earlier uh, this month when he was asked about it, he's like, anytime I say anything about it, it becomes a news headline. So I'm just going to say no comment. <laughs> All right. Uh, so no comment officially from uh, no comment officially, but we've heard it's going to die. Now that it is reportedly canceled, who would be your dream studio to make the game? That's interesting. I've seen some people mention Bluepoint, uh, which PlayStation owns. Uh, my only thing with that is they've never really done anything that isn't a one-to-one remake. Like even like Demon Souls, they made it really pretty, but it's still fundamentally the same game. Uh, they did like the Shadow of Colossus remaster. Uh, 
the Metal Gear one. So I would be curious to see what they do with it. But I mean, there is quite a lot you'd have to change for it. So I don't really know, to be honest. Uh, I haven't really thought about that. I, I've always kind of been of the mind that I don't know if it really needed a remake. I know some people don't like the the, the combat of the original game. But I think especially in like a post BG3 world, uh, I kind of I kind of appreciate it more. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where I, I am of the mind that I would like a remake because my partner is a huge Star Wars fan, but getting through that game as it is today is a, a lot more difficult, I would say. Uh, so it would be cool to get a remake, even if it was a one-to-one, because I think this is more of a, as a remake as opposed to a remaster. Dean, what about you? Is there any studio you'd love to see tackle? I've never played Kodar, so I don't I don't really have a, like a, like a foot in this. Um, I mean, I, I love Demon Souls made by Bluepoint. But I didn't replay the original Demon Souls either, so for me, I don't, I can't compare the two really. I yeah, just, yeah. Um, I mean, I want to play it. I love Star Wars. I'm, I'm a huge fan, and but I just hate going back to old things. I can't play old games. I can't watch old TV. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know why. I wish I didn't have that in my head, but yeah. It would be interesting to see. I don't know what they've done lately, but Beam Dog uh, in oh, Alberta. Yeah. Um, who were uh, some of the former people who worked on Baldur's Gate at Bioware went on to the studio and they handled some of the remasters of the older uh, Baldur's Gate games. It'd be kind of interesting to see what a veteran team of D&D nerds, kind of how they kind of reimagine uh, KOTOR for a modern age. Because, I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 proved that that style of game works. Obviously, it's a much more expans- expanded take on D&D than KOTOR was, but um, kind of seeing... What they would bring to that would be kind is, of interesting, I think. Is that what Kotar is? Is, is it just like... Uh... It's literally like uh, Baldur's Gate. Just oh, like the original hilarious. Gate, just with like... The, it uses the, the dice roll and everything. Just kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. Different perspective, though. It's it's less of yeah. the isometric. More, mm. it, you know, when you zoom in the camera and you follow the character in Baldur's Gate. It's more mm. of that style. But yeah, okay. absolutely. Very similar systems. Very cool. I didn't know that. Okay, uh, I really want. To, now I really want to remake. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's dying. Apparently. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our main topic. But before, let's do a little call out to Antenna. Uh, you can read uh, everything we talked about here on Antenna. Our refreshly, our recently refreshed newsletter for all Canadian news you care about, delivered right to your inbox. And we also have an on-site version if you don't want that pesky email. But I mean, you can still sign up for the newsletter. It's just. Send it to your junk. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our main topic. And this would be the Game of the Year nominations. Uh, this year, Alan Lake 2, Super Mario's Brothers Wonder, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Remaster, Remake, and, and Marvel's Spider-Man 2 were all nominated for Game of the Year. Uh, I've voted. I put my vote in already. I voted for. Wait, I, Brad knows, but Chris, can you guess what I voted for? My my guess would be Baldur's Gate three. No, I voted for Spider Man uh, two. Actually, that was my vote for Game of the Year. Whoa, very interesting. Can I get some insight on that? What was it that pushed you to vote for Spider Man two? So I love Baldur's Gate three, but I've I tend to love it more. Um, when I'm playing with friends, I actually have not gotten far in my own campaign of it. Like not even past the goblins in act one. Like I, I, I just can't get through the game by myself. Um, and for me, of course that is, it's still a great game, but 
at the core of my heart. It's just like Spider-Man is a game that I could sit down and just, I finished it and I sit down and just play it for hours and hours and just by myself in my room in the darkness. And I just, I love that. So for me, that's what kind of tilted it over for me that I can play it, like that I enjoy playing it by myself. Whereas I don't enjoy playing Baldur's Gate by myself as much. I play enjoy it with friends. But then that's just like, I also just enjoy playing Overwatch with my friends and stuff like that too, right? Um, but yeah, that's, I, I'm not saying it's not worthy of the crown. Don't hate me in the comments if you're reading this. Um, I do think that Baldur's Gate 3 is an amazing game. And if it won Game of the Year, or when it wins Game of the Year, I think, um, I, uh, I'm, I won't be mad at all. I just... I just thought that I, I really loved Spider-Man. Uh, what about you guys? Did you guys cast your votes in already? Brad, I'm going to let you take this one away. Sure. Uh, I haven't yet. Uh, I have actually beaten all six of the nominees. Insane. Uh, in the last couple weeks. So I, I just beat Baldur's Gate 3 last week. Uh, we did a very long podcast about that, so I won't rehash any of that. But I'll just say, incredible game. One of the greatest games I've ever played, hands down. Uh, that would be the game that I vote for, I think. Um, but... At the same time, it's one of those things where if Alan Wake 2 won, I would be very happy as well. I think that is a very... I don't, I'm curious, Chris, have you played much of Alan Wake 2? Did you beat it? Uh, yes. So, Alan, uh, the, the two that I have not beaten, Resident Evil 4, uh, I have not because I'm a wuss. And uh, the other one is Super Mario Bros. Wonder. I haven't found the time okay. yet for. But you beat Alan Wake 2? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious your thoughts on that one. Uh I I loved it. Coming, I, I was a fan of the first game. This one felt entirely different, and yet there were lots of fun callbacks and stuff. But there are some sequences in Alan Wake Two that are on the level of the Ashtray Maze of Control, or even better. And it's like the entire game is just filled with these moments where you go, "Who thinks of this stuff?" It really some just mind blowing stuff that I, I wish had come out at a different time because more people would have experienced it. Yeah. It's one of those things where any other year it would have, I think been more of a clear front runner. Um, and I think it deserves all its flowers for how inventive and original it is. Like you were saying there, some of the scenes in there, the way it uses live action mixed with the, uh, in-game cinematics and, and the, the layers of all of that, the, the fact that there's a musical number and it's incredible. Um, and Sam Lake had to fight to get that in the game, uh, and I'm so glad he did. Uh, yeah, um, so it's one of those things where I, I'm actually, I love all the, the nominees. Um, I, I was talking about it a bit with you guys. I think the only one there to me that doesn't actually really belong in the same level is the Resident Evil 4 remake. I think it's a very good game, uh, but uh, I'm not even just saying because it's a remake, but I, I think it's just less impressive and surprising as the other ones. Uh, and I just feel like in another, with so many other games that could have been up for there, like Sea of Stars, Dave the Diver, Hi-Fi Rush, Cocoon, uh, like smaller games that are still very impressive. Um, I kind of would have liked to see that, but at the same time, it's still a great game. So I have no major issues, uh, with those six. It's not like in previous years where sometimes there was a nominee where I'm like, I don't really know if that belongs there. Okay. And that's fine with nominated, but what if Resident Evil 4 wins? 
There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got to go with Brad on this one. While it's, it it is going to get the nod because I do think it's a really high quality game. I'm with you. It's a remake. I don't I don't know that it went as far in terms of a new experience this year compared to a lot of the other games. Like I've heard people complain that Tears of the Kingdom is too much like Breath of the Wild to be up for game of the year. And in my mind, I'm going. Oh, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that either. But yeah. I, it's it's a it's a comment that I've heard, and I, in my mind, I'm going. We literally have a remake on the list. How how is this possible that yeah. we're getting that complaint? And I think from what I've heard of Resident Evil Four is like it does a lot to kind of add to the original experience. It's, it's very uh, much a remake as opposed to a remaster. But I think I to to me I I agree. There are so many excellent experiences this year. I would have loved to see some of those smaller games or even even just games that really stuck with you. Like I have a long list of like forty games I played this year and. And uh, it would have been cool to give it to one of those others. I mean, no Final Fantasy, right? I mean, I know that's, that's Brad, your heart. Yeah, that was... I know it was a little bit... Uh, I don't even want to say polarizing, but maybe not everyone loved it as much as they could have. But, I mean, it still has, like, an 87 on Metacritic, and it's still fairly well-regarded. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would have been happy to see that. But uh, I, actually didn't I get think it's, it's far and away going to win the best performance, which is, as much as I love... Uh, all the performances in Baldur's Gate 3, uh, Ben Starr as Clive, is he, he stole my heart. <laughs> the main reason why I love that game is because him and that character. So uh, it'll get its flower. And, and I think it'll win me best music too. So I'm happy about that. I got to go back and tackle it. I have, I have it. I just haven't gone anywhere in it because there's so many games this year. It's just been really hard. Uh, other things that didn't get nominated that could have been easily nominated... Um, I mean, Armored Core is not even on this list. That's right. At all. I completely forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably one of the first times a From Software game hasn't even been nominated for anything in a long time. Um, there's also Star Wars didn't get best uh, game I mean, like game of the year nominated either. Um, I think Star Wars only got the act. Uh, the performance, yeah, with Cameron and Mon- Monahan, um, who I voted for, despite not having seen... I mean, I've played a little bit of Final Fantasy. Not enough to really say I, I would want that person to win, but um, I just... Literally know. anyone, the thing with the, the best performance is the entire category could have just been Baldur's Gate 3. Totally, um, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Really, <laughs> I, was, I was really happy that uh, Asterion got a nod, but like... Uh, having beaten the game, Carlac, the narrator. The narrator um, is the one that kind of like, especially if you've played the Dark Urge as a character, there is a mm, lot more depth there that yeah, you get through she that pulls as in well. A lot from that. Yeah, it's really, as you said, incredible performances across the board. It could have been anybody in the main cast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's definitely. I, I saw someone suggest, and I would kind of love to see it if we, because I think the Golden Joystick Awards did this, where they did best lead and best supporting performance so that kind of opened it up a bit more so that way ben Starr was able to win best lead performance and asterian won best supporting because right. uh, he's not the main character um so i i it would be kind of nice if they opened that up because i think especially nowadays with performances becoming so vital to a game you're not they're not just giving their voice they're giving the motion capture the facial capture all that totally um and and just think about especially with Baldur's gate 3 and final fantasy 16 how integral those actors have been to promoting that game yeah. like ben star is, is kind of being super popular online and same with the Baldur's gate 3 cast seeing them play the game and promote it and everything so uh that'd be nice if they do that in a future year but 
So, is there another game that you guys had a lot of fun with this year that you would want to have seen as the game of the year nominated nation? Hold on, let me pull up my list of games I played this year. <laughs> yeah, I think either Final Fantasy 16 or Sea of Stars would have been my choice for the sixth game of the year. I think maybe more 16 than Sea of Stars, because Sea of Stars, as much as I love it, it is more of like an homage sort of game. Uh, but yeah, uh, I would have been happy with Hi-Fi Rush, Dave the Diver, Cocoon uh, as well up for game of the year. So. And I wish I've played this many games as you. I, uh, I I just get so busy with like other life stuff, and I'm just like, I just want to chill. But now, like the last month, I've just been like, I just want to play games. Guys, leave me alone. I'm like, I had a date coming over yesterday, and I'm like, can you actually push it till seven so I can keep playing <laughs> games? <laughs> Dean, that sounds like me every night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I for me, I would have loved to see Star Wars. Uh, I'm uh, up there. Um, or, uh, I thought I was really enjoying Lords of the Fallen, but now I'm getting really into Lies of P and I'm like, oh snap, Lies of P is a lot of fun too. Um, even like, and there's like a little bit more, it's more polished. It looks a lot cleaner than Lords of the Fallen. Lords of the Fallen has had a lot, I don't know if you guys knew, had a lot of issues at launch, launch, like it, it would crash and stuff. I was on a PS5, so it wasn't horrible for me um but even when i got it to review like it was missing sound which is crazy um so i maybe lies of p would go up there for me too i don't know i don't know i looked over my list and and for me it's a lot of i realize chris games as opposed to game of the year games you know yeah uh things that i I really enjoy those sorts of things like uh uh one of the ones i've really enjoyed this year is a, a little visual novel on the Nintendo Switch from the makers of Danganronpa and I, I would I would never put well, it's called <laughs> Master Detective Archives Rain Code and I really enjoy it there's no way I would ever put it up for game of the year it's 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 one of those situations where I have a lot of Chris games but I think they actually did a very good job of paring it down to the games that have been the most impactful in the industry and the games that we're going to be talking about years from now. Like, that's why I do think there's a case to be made for Alan Wake 2, because Uh when we talk about the survival horror genre, this is going to be one I think people will bring up for a long time. Same with Baldur's Gate 3. I don't think a lot of people expected Baldur's Gate 3 to be as big as it is. Like, even as somebody who loves Baldur's Gate, and I've been talking about it for years now, I didn't expect it to be either at the scale in terms of people playing it that it is but even even the quality like it surpassed my expectations and i think a lot of other games are going to use it as a template for how to do narrative and branching narrative specifically going forward so i think we got the most important games that mm-hmm. kind of show what the where the industry is right now i would also put tears of kingdom in that category as well but neither of you and i haven't played this game so i can't so that's why i haven't said it but neither of you guys said starfield which I just love. <laughs> I was, I'm not going to lie, I was worried the sixth up because I think everyone predicted the other five minus Resident yeah. Evil. Uh, I was worried that Starfield might be the sixth one because I, again, what you're, to your point about games that we're going to be thinking about and, and moving forward, I haven't seen anyone still talking about Star War, Starfield except some of the like hardcore Xbox fans, which, of course, were mad about this, the snub. But like I, don't, I think that's a game that is very dated in a lot of ways, as we talked about, so I don't think it deserved it at all so Which is uh, it is funny crazy. that it was up for best rpg though because i'm like it's not even good as an rpg really it's but. crazy i uh 
I haven't really heard anything about Starfield except for us talking about it at work. Like, I don't, none of my friends talk about it. I mean, most of my friends are on PlayStation, but even my friends who have both consoles and who have Game Pass, no one's talked about this game. I've heard, again, more conversations about Liza P. Maybe that's just because of my, my who my friends are. and But, I mean, most of them don't play Souls Wars. So, I mean, but yeah, I've heard more talk about that game than Starfield. Like, it's... The thing about Starfield is it's not even the best Bethesda game this year. That would be Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. So. Hi-Fi Rush is my... Bethesda? Yes. yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's specific the Tango Tokyo Game Gameworks. Game right? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, Tango Gameworks. Yeah. Uh, that made uh, The Evil Within and uh, mm-hmm. Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, I knew... Oh, okay. Yeah, so Bethesda owns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize Bethesda owned them, I don't think. I think the other thing with Starfield is it is a game that's going to be built out over years. I mean, all of the Bethesda games have had pretty rough launches. This is their smoothest launch, but I also think that it has the least impact because when you think about Skyrim, it's about all of those incidental moments as you're exploring the world and it's like, okay, I'm going to go over there and it's all the stuff you discover along the way and all those little stories and then those massive encounters like the first time that you encounter a dragon out in the wild and it's like oh my god there was nothing like this at the time whereas with starfields uh, one of my friends is like the biggest bethesda fan he just other than my dad my dad's a bethesda freak but other than him he hasn't played starfield yet my my one friend is like i i think he put a hundred and some hours in beat the game and he said yeah i had a good time with it seven out of ten and i was like whoa okay that's pretty telling because (laughs) once the mods come in sure you can do a lot of stuff but when you talk about that core experience the core gameplay loop it's the best combat they've ever had it's the best graphics they've ever had it's the smoothest performance they've ever had but it's lacking the magic from years ago because it's the the design is so dated and the exploration is non-existent so yeah even uh patrick uh mobile surf's editor-in-chief he reviewed it after like he gave his review impressions that he said it was like oh it sets a new standard for action rpgs and he's he's like very quickly he's like yeah i shouldn't have said that i don't agree with that anymore <laughs> or even like, i know steve uh who's been on the podcast as well he was super high on the game at first but i, I haven't really seen or heard of him really talk about it it seems like yeah there was the initial hype and then it just kind of past and everyone moved on uh, i mean it doesn't help that it's such a busy year uh, i get that but yeah it's, even then it seemed very like games like tears of the kingdom and Baldur's gate 3 which came out months before are still getting so much love so much attention uh so much chatter about them so yeah it's... super mario wonder even i've not played it but i and i don't play mario games i don't know if anyone knows this about me i actually don't ever touch mario games there uh they're just i don't find that they're for me um but even Super Mario Wonder, uh, like, I was like, man, this game looks good. Like, just watching the reviews. I, I watched one review just to have it on the background while I was on the elliptical. And then I was like, oh, snap. And I just, like, kept going through more and more reviews because I'm like, this game seems really fun. Brad, I'd love to get your thoughts because I remember in your review you said that, oh, I don't, I haven't really gotten too into many of the 2D Mario games of recent and then you said that you really liked this one. What was it that separated it? Yeah, I think it's just the variety. Um, like the, uh, They've always had creative level design and, and inventiveness for sure. But for me, it's just every single level like had such a unique hook to it, a, a unique gimmick with the, whether that was like the, with the wonder flowers or stylistically the visuals. 
Uh, and I think I just also appreciated that it was like a 12-hour game uh, in a year of 100-hour games. It was just nice. I mean, there's there's more content there if you want to go back and, you know, find 100% it. But to just be able to finish the game in like 10 to 12 hours, I, I just really like that. And then just also all the multiplayer features are really cool. Just the, uh, I think that's another thing that, because Nintendo, uh, the previous games, some of the the Wii ones, I think, had multiplayer. But Wii, Wii multiplayer was always very spotty. So um, I think a combination of just the, the variety and just the, the multiplayer stuff, I think, is what... So I have a quick question just because when I look at that game, it actually reminds me a lot of Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends in that it has those musical levels that are very colorful and expressive. What what makes this like a, a game of the year nominee when Rayman never really broke that barrier? Are you, are you familiar with those games? Did you play them? I I played a little bit of them. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar. I mean, I think it's... I think part of it is just because it's Mario, right? If I'm being honest, I sure. think that probably gives it a bit of an edge. Uh, there's just so much nostalgia for that franchise, and just it being the first 2D Mario, brand new 2D Mario in like 10 years, I think that helps. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the, the main reason, if I'm being honest. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm not too familiar with the the Rayman ones, but I, this one probably uh, just has more variety maybe I'm, totally. I'm not too sure yeah yeah no it, it's a tough question to toss your way it's it's one that's been kind of sitting in the back of my mind and i need to replay those games but once i play mario wonder i'd, I'd love to have a discussion about it because it does seem like such a departure compared to recent new super mario bros u and all of those experiences which were a little bit more rehash is too harsh but they felt more like they were just pulling maybe from the best hits of previous games that's so funny you brought up Rayman Legends. <laughs> Rayman Origins. Love That's those hilarious. Games. I completely forgot those games existed. I, I never take played them. Ubisoft. Yeah, I know, right? I haven't played them, but my little brother, he's he and I are ten years apart and he finished both those games. He loved them. So it's just funny. Bring back what was the engine called? They they created a special engine that was used for the Rayman games. It was also used for Child of Light and that first world war side-scrolling puzzle game that i'm blanking on the name of valiant hearts there were several amazing small projects from ubisoft that i think delivered well beyond their investment and then they just completely dropped them it's mind-boggling to me and maybe it's because the focus has been on big budget open world games but i'd love to see them bring those back they were so much fun i love child of light so much i uh that's one of uh i don't know if you've known this chris i don't platinum my games uh it's the brad's biggest gripe about me i feel and i'm sure there's bigger but it's one of my <laughs> gripes about me because he's always oh, just it. like you're like you you have one more trophy left and i'm like i just don't want to go back and get it so child of light's one of those games where i had one more trophy left because i just fuck i just really loved it um and yeah but i mean now that we're talking about games from back then when did child of light come out do you actually remember it probably was around 10 years ago. Give me a second. I think it was 2014 or 2012. It was 2014. Wow, Brad, right on the money. Yeah, Brad, that was really good. Um, but uh, let's rewind and have a little bit of a nostalgic moment and talk about games that came out in 2013 before we talk about the other game award and Um Just throwing back 10 years at a time. Uh, this will be our new nostalgia segment. Uh, we will go back 10 years of the month 
like so in January where we go go back to January twenty fourteen. Nope. Yeah, twenty fourteen and remember and nostalgia about that month. But since we're at the end of the year, might as well let's just talk about games that came out in twenty thirteen. Uh there's a lot there's we have quite a few games on this list. I actually have only played two of these games though. Uh, there's Bioshock Infinite, Grand Theft Auto V, Last of Us, Pokemon X and Y, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Tomb Raider Reboot, Animal Crossing New Leaf, and Final Fantasy XIV: A Realm Reborn. Actually, yeah, that's true. That's not true. I've, only, I've played three of them. Can you? I, I just love having you guys guess because I'm such like a random gamer. Uh, no, you've games. played. You've played Pokemon. Yep, for sure. Uh, have you played you played a little bit of The Last of Us, I think? I'm not answering that. You gotta. Uh you played I wanna say GTA five. Okay, and then one more. And uh the Tomb Raider reboot. Alright, and then Chris, what are you guessing? My guess would be Pokemon X and Y, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and it, it's a toss up between The Last of Us and Grand Theft Auto. I'll go Grand Theft Auto as well. Okay, no. Uh, Chris, you're a little closer. I did play Black Flag. Uh, okay. One of my... I've only played, like, two Assassin's Creed games, and that's one of them. Um, but there was too much shipping, ship stuff for me. I hate being on the water. Um, and Final Fantasy of Realm Reborn. Uh, I played it right when it came out, and then thought it was a single-player... Uh, and then it was this, like, multiplayer thing, and I was like, this isn't for me. But I did play quite a bit of it at first. Um, and didn't finish it. I'd never have touched a Grand Theft Auto game before in my life. Um, or The Last of Us. Um, but I And I really want to play Bioshock Infinite, but I haven't. And I have all three games, and I just don't know why. It's, I uh, it it's interesting that we give a shout-out to The Last of Us, because that is a game, a series that Sony has milked so much, uh, despite it being very new. Uh, you know, even last week, they announced because it was leaked that there's a remaster of the last of us part two a game that came out three years ago uh which is ridiculous it's so crazy um, it comes out they've in january, re- right? they've re-released the last of us the original one like four times at this point and then they're doing this one they'll probably do a remake of the last of us part two uh and i saw a lot of people like defending that which is so weird to me i'm like you can love the last of us but also like criticize like very cash grab business decisions like to me it's especially frustrating just not to get into a big soapbox but just because we haven't really gotten anything from naughty dog we've gotten like one new game from them in like 10 almost 10 years uh like between uncharted 4 and the the last of us part 2 was four years and then we're nowhere nearer what their new game's gonna be it's like can we just get something new from them instead of more last of us yeah it's kind of crazy i saw that this morning actually i was just like looking at game news and i'm like wait hold on another last of us didn't we just have one um yeah i've I've watched a gameplay of last of us uh but i never played it myself there is even like a hard drive article where it's like uh like the parody like the onion site for but for games uh where hard drive uh the headline was something like Naughty Dog announces The Last of Us Part 3 remastered before The Last of Us Part 3. <laughs> Just like, That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah they're like good. kind of, they're like Bethesda kind of. I feel like we there's been so many iterations of Skyrim as well. Um, so I feel like this is kind of similar. Uh, you guys, I'm sure you guys have played every game on this list, but uh, in these 2013 games, no. 
I not... played all of them except for Animal Crossing. Oh, Even interesting. Pokemon? Yeah, I, I that was the last Pokemon game that I tried to oh, play. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, like I got to like four gym four or five, so I played a decent amount of it. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just not a Sims person, like no. Sim games. So Animal Crossing would is never my cup of tea. But I played all the other games there. Uh, for me, I think I've played all of them except for A Realm Reborn because this I, I've never been able to break that barrier of MMOs, but if there's going to be one that's going to do it, it's going to be Final Fantasy fourteen, and I just need to bite the bullet at some point and do it. But no, all of the other games I've played, I added a few to this list because I, I when I think back at 2013, this was the game where... Bioshock and Grand Theft Auto, The Last of Us, Tomb Raider, those were like the big games of the year competing for game of the year. And I feel like Grand Theft Auto is the game that doesn't die. It, Grand Theft Auto V still continues to be one of the best-selling games every month somehow. Uh, with the Grand Theft Auto Six announcement coming next month, I mean, we're looking at possibly the ge- biggest game announcement of all time. And at the time, there was a big discussion about what should win game of the year, and it was mainly actually between The Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite, and the the conversation has shifted a lot since the launch of Infinite. And and you know what? I was one of the big defenders back in the day because I, when that game came out, I loved that game. I especially just loved the world building and the ending. I, I, I still like the ending, but going back to play that game, that was a rough reawakening when I dug in. Holy, it does not necessarily hold up yeah that's the way i would put it (laughs) very different uh but one other thing that i would call out about 2013 is this is actually the launch year of both xbox one and playstation 4 so you know we usually don't get game of the year contenders right off the bat it was the same thing with playstation 3 and and xbox 360 although those came out in different years but when we think about playstation 4 into playstation 5 there was a lot longer of a period of crossover between games uh up until this year like we're still getting games that are launching on playstation 4 alongside playstation 5 whereas here a lot of the launch games uh when i think about them what was the game from the horizon studio it was oh kill zone kill yeah shadowfall yeah i like that game game graphically still holds up to this day it's kind of insane how nice, they yeah. pushed that system and uh, I, I think there weren't any games that came out in that launch year that necessarily have stuck with us. But when we Rise. look back at the generation, Rise Son of Rome for Xbox <laughs> is kidding. another good-looking game. <laughs> <laughs> but starting in 2014, I think, is next year we'll, we'll have a look at maybe games that push things a little bit more. Uh, Black Flag was a launch title, wasn't it? Weren't they doing that thing where you can buy the PS- $10 upgrade? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to work at Best Buy at this time, so I remember... It's- selling the ps4 and the xbox one and people coming in to buy all that stuff and me being like i wish i had one no i I had a ps4 but i wish i had an xbox (laughs) uh yeah all right let's move on from oh wait before i move on just nostalgia i played every single pokemon game except for pokemon red and blue uh which is i know wild um but uh pokemon x and y was my favorite at the time because they introduced a new way of like it was kind of like more 3d and like more like stylish the graphics but most importantly you could change your skin color and that oh. was mind-blowing the first pokemon game you could change your skin color and i was just like whoa this is so cool like i wasn't like 
I, I was like more like a 10 like they didn't get to black yet until the next game but you know it was even like closer than just being like the uh, like whatever the generic model was which never was a POC character um, kinda so uh, yeah I know I was super excited about that Pokemon X and Y I loved that game alright sorry just wanted to quickly smile about that uh, alright now moving on to uh, other game award noms we could just kind of throw some names out here. Game Direction was basically just the uh, Game of the War, Game of the Year winners. I think for this one, I voted for BG3. Uh, Brad, why haven't you voted yet? Uh, I, yeah, there's still time. I'm I mean, yeah. still playing other games. I mean, the it, it was not nominated at all, so it doesn't matter, but I'm playing Octopath Traveler 2 right now. Mm-hmm. I know that was a, a contentious one for a lot of people. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so in theory, I guess I could vote now. I played all the, I mean, Dave the Diver was the only other one that I wanted to play, spend more time with, uh, and we'll, we'll get into that shortly for a number of reasons, but, um, yeah, I haven't, uh, not sure why I haven't voted yet. I think in terms of game direction, I would go Alan Wake 2. Uh, there's people who've kind of argued what game direction even means. Uh, the official game awards definition for it is awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game design and or game direction and design, which is kind of just reiterating the the, the name. That's but, just game of the uh, year. <laughs> to, yeah, basically. Uh, to me, I just kind of view it as the game that maybe had the way I interpret it is just the, the, a game that had kind of a very unique vision uh, and how well they executed that vision for me. And and if I think of it from that perspective, I would give it to Alan Wake too. Just, and I think it's kind of like a consolation prize in that sense. I think it's because I think BG3 is going to win game of the year. So they'll give Alan Wake to all the other awards or at least a lot of the other awards. So uh, yeah, I think that's what I'd go for. But again, I'd be happy with BG3 as well. Uh, I voted for BG3 uh, because thinking of that, they made more like, Game of the like for me, my game of the year was Spider Man. But in an objective point of view, the best game direction for out of the ones I've played or looked into at least uh, was Spider Man. Uh, no, sorry, was BG three. I'm so used to wanting to say Spider Man for things. Uh, was BG three? Just to give, sorry, just to give some very quick context for like for Alan Wake two. This is a game that is the second entry in Remedy's connected universe. Uh, the first one being control. control, yeah, and so this is them pulling in, literally just pulling in control. But they're drawing from every game they've ever made, either directly or indirectly. There's a character in there who is literally Max Payne in everything but name. It's still voice. It's voiced by the same guy. It's played by Sam Lake. Um, there's stuff from Quantum Break that's kind of alluded to in there. So, like in terms of the vision, like bringing in everything they've ever done, building on the sort of weird world of of control, the sort of um, uh, Stephen King's stuff from Alan Wake, uh, you know, the, the timey-wimey sort of stuff from Quantum Break, the the noir from uh, Max Payne, like, bringing that all into one cohesive package, and there's so much meta commentary in there. Uh, I think it's it's such a crazy vision, and the fact that they executed it. Like, this game should just be a mess. Uh, so I, I have a lot of admiration for what they did with it. Even if it's not my absolute game of the year, like, I think if we're talking about creative, unique vision, like, like a lot of people are calling Sam Lake like the new Kojima, and I I, I would agree. Uh, I want to play it so badly. I I, I said I told I told Brad uh, last week that I was waiting for like I, I like a Christmas time game, like a game that to play around the Christmas break. 
and I was gonna wait for that. But maybe if nothing a... more cozy than getting hunted by cultists. Uh, yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, I actually kind of did that my last Christmas break too. I played. Uh... I don't remember what it's called. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, but just, I was... just to build off of what Brad was saying, though, like when I think about game direction, I'm kind of thinking about it in terms of voice. For game of the year, it's what is the game that really presented where the industry is at. That's kind of how I look at it, of like, what was the most impressive thing that years from now we're still going to be talking about as pushing the industry forward? What was the thing that was the most cohesive package? Whereas game direction, it's almost like, okay, what is the singular voice? What was the auteur piece of the year? Like, I, I think about it in that sense. And as you said, Sam Lake makes a strong case for being the new voice in the industry uh, for pushing for something that you don't get anywhere else and still having it be a very strong piece. We think about Kojima in that sense. Uh, I think there are a couple other people uh, that you could probably put that moniker on. I mean, Starfield, maybe not the best experience, but you could definitely say that all of the Bethesda Studios games have been shaped by their creator as well. Uh, they all have become very homogenous for better or worse but i think definitely sam lake with control i think is really when he found his voice i think he's always had a very unique vision but with control i think the tone was so perfect some people weren't crazy about the combat or the ending but the tone was there and alan wake ratchets that up with the atmosphere so far uh i find i found it very difficult to play for extended periods of time because it's so intense and there's some moments that have you laughing out loud, but it is oppressive when you play it. So, yeah. Yeah, especially like, Dean, for context, the Alan Wake sections, which are in sort of like an alternate version of New York, uh, there's these like shadows, um, uh, the enemies, and they like constantly say like, Alan Wake, Alan Wake, uh, which is like really creepy. And the, you don't know if they're actually enemies until they get up close. So some of them, oh, it's no. just kind of like th throwing you off. You never know whether you like, need oh, to defend it's yourself. It's just a shadow. It's terrifying. <clears throat> and then other times it's like... Uh, that sounds worse than uh, Hellblade. Like, it, more it's, like yeah. mind it borrows heavily from yeah. that sort of psychosis <clears throat> element where you'll be walking past someone and they'll say your name and you, you spin and you like point your flashlight, but you can't burn a battery on them unless they attack. And so you're constantly... No. fearing that you're like having to wait to push the pressure so it's it's not even like resident evil you have to if there's a zombie you have to determine whether you need to run by them or attack them here it's like they make the decision of whether you have to run by them or attack them it's it's intense oh i can't wait it's not on sale is it no not, not for yet. this black friday dang okay i may just spend the money and do it anyways that sounds so fun uh yeah i can't wait Anything else on this list uh, for game direction you think you'd want to number two it? I mean, I I will give a quick shout out actually to Tears of the Kingdom because I I would say that the director who came on with Skyward Sword and has kind of continued to build out into this uh, now Tears of the Kingdom he changed Zelda in such a massive way with Breath of the Wild that can't be understated and he's continued to build on that uh he really brought back the link in zelda dynamic which i think this is the first zelda game in my memory that is actually the legend of zelda this is not link's story this is zelda's story and i think that was a very interesting angle to take with the game 
and he's really he has a voice of his own he, you could even argue he has otor sort of stylings himself every game starts with link shirtless all for that uh but you know he he has found the sky he uses that as a big theme uh there's the underground in this one like he's he's brought back a whole bunch of elements but i think his touch is on a lot of this stuff uh, that that wasn't there it's kind of like um who was who the game director for the most recent Super Mario Odyssey? He was actually a writer on several Zelda games, and it was to the point where he his games were so weird, Miyamoto told him he would never work on another Zelda game again because he worked on Majora's Mask, and he worked on Link's Awakening, and Miyamoto's like, what is happening, man? What what, what are these stories? It's kind of like that, and, and, but this these games have found mass appeal, and I wonder if he's going to continue directing the games, whether he's going to move into a producing role, but I've, I'm just so thankful that he's brought his vision to the games because they are so strong. And I, I, again, I don't think it's probably in contention for any of these because we, we've already had Breath of the Wild and this wasn't the major leap that some people wanted. It is a proper sequel, but I do just want to shout it out because I do think he has such a strong voice. Uh, move on to Best Narrative. Uh, that includes Alan Wake 2, BG3, now we got a Final Fantasy 16 and a Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty and Spider-Man 2. So, I mean, I, there is definitely a, a trend with BG3, Alan Lake 2, and Spider-Man 2. Um, but now we have some new ones up in this as well. Uh, Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. Did you play it, Chris? I remember you yeah. were, like, getting into it. Like, did yeah, you go yeah. I actually I went through all of that, and I loved it. I think it's probably the strongest content they've put out for the game uh and yeah i i can't sing its praises enough cool uh and you both played final fantasy 16 yes best narrative do you guys think they might take the cake here or do you guys still on alan I mean, wake on this one even if alan wake 2 wasn't there um i would not say 16 i so 16 story has a lot of problems i I think fundamentally why I love it is because I think, and this is true for some of the other Final Fantasy games as well, the characters are what sell you on it. Uh, again, I think Clive as a character, his story is very compelling. So even if some of the stuff that he has to face towards the end of the game is complete nonsense, you're at least still invested because you care about him. But I would certainly not say as an overall story it is okay. strong. It certainly starts strong and then kind of tapers off towards the end uh, with a lot of like nonsense. So I would definitely give it to... Uh, I'd give it to Alan Wake 2 in terms of it being an original story that we've never seen before. The way it, as great as Baldur's Gate 3 is, I think Alan Wake 2 tells its story uh, in like a multimedia sort of way that just only games could do. Uh, and obviously Baldur's Gate 3 uses the medium very well as well. But I think, yeah, I would definitely give it to Alan Wake 2. It's a tough one for me where when I hear narrative, my mind goes story first. But when I, when I really think about it a little bit more i'm like no narrative narrative is everything and it's tough because i'm i'm brad i i echo your sentiments where alan wake 2 is doing stuff we've never seen but then Baldur's gate 3 is also like doing stuff we've never seen with story with how many moving parts there are and yet everything still works uh the the amount of safeguards they had to put in place to make the story work so for example uh very early game spoilers but if you kill off an important character in the Tiefling Grove, you would think that that would brick you out of that storyline. No, they actually have a backup leader to the camp, just in case. Well, what happens <laughs> if you kill that backup leader? 
Don't worry, they have a third backup leader that you can't get to until the end of the quest. So they've thought of all of these different pieces that so many other games have not touched before. And in that way, when I think about those puzzle pieces that they had to put together, it might be the strongest narrative because no matter what direction you go, it still works. Is it the strongest story? No, I think when we look at like the arcs in the game, how it goes from beginning to end, just the actual story, Alan Wake 2 for sure. But when we're thinking about overall narrative and the amount of content that is in there and how high quality it is, Baldur's Gate 3, I think, might it's hard be to... my pick. It's, they're so different. Yeah, it's hard to compare because one is all about it's your story. Yeah. Do it how you want to. And the other is a very handcrafted story where there's no choice at all, yeah. really, which is fine. That's just that's not what it's supposed to be. So, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, ultimately, uh, I could go either way on it. Exactly. Um, yeah. D- Dean, where do you fall? Because you haven't played Alan Wake, but you have played several of the others. You've played Spider-Man 2, which had a strong story. You've played yeah, uh, played 3 Yeah, and I played a bit of Final Fantasy XVI, but I have not touched Phantom Liberty, just base Cyberpunk I finished. Uh, I voted VG3 just because uh, I was looking at it the same way you're looking at it, Chris, in the sense of, like, the, like, I I, I love writing stories. I'm someone who can write, like, I I love fantasy writing. That's my thing I just really do in my spare time if I'm not gaming or hanging out with friends. Uh, and a lot of times when I watch a movie or watch TV or play a game, I think, well, this is what I would have done instead, because that's how I look at it from like a writer's point of view. Um, I, I don't, I can't possibly do that for BG three because they have just there's so many things they they have thought of that I just blow my mind. Um, so I, I haven't played Alan Wake two, and I'm not saying that Alan Wake two could have. I don't know about it, about it, but BG three just just blew my mind. Spider Man two, uh, I mean, I think I could, I could predict a lot of the points if I really thought about it. Like, or I can like, or I could have been like, oh, maybe I would have done this instead of this. Um, nothing like that for BG three, so that's why I. Chose I would, it. Uh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that for sure. I haven't played Phantom Liberty yet. Like we were talking about on the last podcast, I. Uh, it's too many it games. The worst time. There's too many games. Too many uh, games. So that's, I'll get to it next year. I will actually going back to 16. I will and because Chris mentioned a visual novel, I will switch 15 or 16 and put another Square Enix game that came out this year uh, called Paranorma Sight, uh, the Seven Mysteries of, of Hanjo. Uh, I wrote about it around Halloween time because it's a spooky game, but basically uh, it's a visual novel. It's around 12 to 15 hours. So again, perfect length. Uh, and it's about <clears throat> just a string of mysterious murders that are happening in a in a district in Tokyo, and it's very well written. There's such a great style to it. The music's very good. It does some really cool meta things with games. Again, storytelling sort of thing that only games could do. Uh, I love that game. It's one of the hidden gems of this year. So I would give that a shout out. To be honest, over sixteen. I think nice. it's an overall story. I think it's just a tighter tighter story this is on my radar now i i I had heard of it i had seen the trailer but your review was kind of like what put it fully onto my wish list near the top that might be one that i play over the holidays because i I think we've all now touched a lot of the big games and i've played through most of them that that seems like a cozy experience to dig into over a weekend very nice i loved it cool uh move on to best indie 
Uh, and we'll, we won't do this whole... I just want to touch on... We won't do Action Adventure just because it's basically the same except for Star Wars. Um, but I want, I want to touch on RPG because I'm just such a huge RPG fan. But before then, let's give respect to the indie games. Uh, I've played zero of them. But Brad, you've played all of them, I assume? Uh, no, I haven't. <clears throat> I haven't played Dave the Diver yet. I bought it. Um, oh, okay. I, That's what it yet. I thought you said you I haven't played. Okay. I haven't played Dredge, and I haven't played Viewfinder actually. <clears throat> so I've only played. I've only played Sea of Stars and Cocoon from that list. But um, I'd be remiss not to mention there's been a bit of a controversy with this category. Uh, I don't know how much how much you saw from that, Dean, but um, because Dave the Diver is listed there. Uh, in no sense of the word is it an independent game. Uh, it is uh, made by a small... It's technically the team that made it is small, uh, Mint Rocket, but they're owned by Nexon, a giant South Korean company. So in every... They are not indie in any sense. And even like the definition per the Game Awards is indie for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. So there, you could kind of interpret that different ways. To me... I think a game that has a small publisher attached, like an Annapurna or a Devolver Digital, I think if the if the development team is still otherwise indie, I think you could make the case that's an indie game. But certainly, Dave the Diver is not an indie game. So that got a lot of criticism. And they themselves even said, we're not an indie game. Because it's, there's this problem where if a game has, a, like a, especially in that case, like a pixelated art style or a sort of a small vo- scale to it, people tend to think, oh, that's an indie game. It's got an indie feel to it. I mean, like last year, Pentiment was one of my favorite games. That was made by Obsidian. Uh, it's a small team within Obsidian, 14 people. Uh, and it's got, I've got like a handcrafted art style. So it looks and feels like an indie game, but it's Obsidian, which is owned by Bethesda, which is owned by Xbox. So we kind of see this time and time again where people sort of call things indie when they're not. Indie sort of like a feel, but like in terms of pure definition, independent. Uh, Dave the Diver does not fit that. As good of a game as it supposedly is. So uh, it's kind of renewed calls to sort of have more clear-cut definitions. Uh, A lot of developers are sort of weighed in. Uh, People a lot smarter than me. Uh, I just think in general there should be some sort of rigid definition. Like even I'm part of a a jury, uh, the Indie Cup. uh, They do for different countries. They do for Ukraine. I'm part of the, the Canada Indie Cup. Uh, and they have very clear definitions about, oh, the team size has to be X to X number of people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and obviously there's still more restrictions than that because, again, it's not just team size. But they have some limitations on, on what an indie developer is, and I just feel like the Game Awards needs to needs to figure that out. So out of the two you did play, Brad, Cocoon or Sea of Stars? Uh, I mean, I know I'm biased because I, I love Canadian games. Uh, Cocoon is a game that I really respected, um, I don't know if I necessarily enjoyed it as much as everyone else did. I think it's a very good game. It's a very polished game. I love that that guy, um, the lead designer who did Cocoon and, and uh, Limbo. I think I actually like those games more than Cocoon, though, oh, okay. uh, personally. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a game I respect more than I think I, I adore. So, yeah, I, I definitely, I'd say Sea of Stars. And that is actually a game that is self-published, which... And they're an interesting example as well, because this is their second game. Uh, their first game, uh, Quebec City-based Sabotage, their first game was The Messenger. That game was made by like eight people, uh, but it was published by Devolver Digital. Uh, but I mean, in every sense of the word, they're an independent team. Uh, but then this game, they quadrupled their staff, so they have like 25 people now, but then it was made, it was self- entirely self-published. So it's an interesting debate for sure. 
if Vendem, if Vemba made this list, would you be picking Vemba over it? Or I think so. Yeah. As, as much as I love Sea of Stars, it's comfort food basically, and that, and that's what it's intended to be. Like it's not trying to uh, move the needle in any significant way. So, um, and I, I respect that. Um, but to me, I think Venba just did something very unique, and the story it told, and and conveying that through the cooking mechanics and uh, like. It was very much made in mind for people who don't play cooking games, and I'm someone mm. who doesn't play cooking games at all. Like I've never played Overcooked or Cooking Mom or anything. Like you don't need to have any knowledge of that genre. Uh, it's very accessible, very approachable, and just the story uh, really hit close to home. So I, uh, nice. yeah, I, I would give it to that one. So I hope it wins best debut indie game at least. So. Uh, Chris, have you played any of these indie games? Uh, no. The indie space this year, I kind of stuck with my own genres. I played a bunch of games, but nothing that made the list. So, uh, the, I these are you to play Sea of Stars. I did play the demo for Sea of Stars, mm. but I've been, again, waiting for that period where everything goes into a lull so that I can dive in properly. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I've played nothing either. I downloaded Sea of Stars because it was free on Game Pass, but that's all I've done with Sea of Stars. Um, I wanted it. Dredge looked cool. It was like that. Dredge looks super cool. Like the water, like, you know, boats and something under the water type spookiness. Like a horror fishing game. Yeah. Um, but I haven't got to that either. Uh, so let's skip to best RPG and let's, after that, we'll kind of end this with the next segment. Uh, but for that, BG3, Final Fantasy 16. Lies of P, Star, Seas of Sea of Stars, and finally Starfield. Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> yeah, we 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 talked about that briefly. That is absolutely not an RPG. Uh, I mean, the term RPG is used so loosely. I mean, so many games have RPG elements, but this is first and foremost an action game. Yeah, like, it's literally no more an RPG. You wouldn't call Devil May Cry an RPG. No, you wouldn't. I mean, that game has that game has upgrades. Uh, like you can unlock. Uh, new weapons and, and abilities, which is technically an RPG light system, but that's pretty much the extent of the RPG mechanics in Devil May Cry, and it's pretty much exactly the same in, in uh, uh, Final Fantasy XVI, which is fine. It was in, it was going for, when we're talking about, again, the creative vision, the creative vision was to make an over-the-top action game, totally. and in that sense, I think they did a good job with that, but yeah, it's definitely not, especially when you consider that looking at other games, like Octopath Traveler 2 was a game that a lot of people had a lot of uh, love for this year um, that was not nominated uh, there's probably some other RPGs that I'm missing uh, that weren't nominated either so I mean Lords of the Fallen didn't make this list at all but it was an RPG uh, again I, I wouldn't have put it on the list it's too unpolished but um, I voted for Lies of P even though in my hearts of hearts I know that BG3 is a better RPG but I'm like BG3 is gonna win enough I want to shout out Lies of P. I really, enjoy, I'm really enjoying it right now. Uh, I don't know how far I am. I'm really enjoying it, and it's very RPG. It's very to my heart, Bloodborne like, um, and a lot of similarities there. And Bloodborne is my favorite game, RPG game. I don't know, it's up there. Um, so I had to throw in a bone there, um, and I hope they kind of. I hope they do win best RPG. I know they won't. Because, again, BG3 is an amazing role-playing game. And literally, you you start playing... You, when you play Blood is Gate, I feel like you like you have to role-play. I feel like it's just part of... Like, you're just in the game now. 
it's so it's funny you mentioned that because I, I actually ended up writing I think I'd mentioned that I was going to and I ended up writing about it a couple of weeks ago how it was the first time that I actually did role play in a so-called RPG like I, I really felt like I was embodying the character and sort of the decisions I made and even when things because one of my few gripes with that game is just how stupidly hard it gets towards the end uh, some of the fights are kind of ridiculous but at the same time I tried to look at the positive side of it where I'm like oh okay the NPCs that I was trying to save that died that actually kind of adds to the story because for me, my character tried tried her best to save them. They died, but then only one person remained and he's kind of the sole survivor of that group. And I'm like, okay, it kind of adds to the story. Uh, I still think this was this area was stupidly hard, but uh, <laughs> I at least found uh, some sort of narrative uh, justification for that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I I just love that. I love that it, it, you want to be in the game. You want to see your like. I I made a character that kind of looked, he didn't look like me, but he was hot AF. Um, but <laughs> but um, I mean, and I really tried to play the game like how that character would play. Uh, that's not what I'm doing in Liza P. Liza P. I'm just playing a Bloodborne remake. Uh, having a lot, a lot of fun with it and changing the way I play with different types of weapons and whatnot, but and in different clothing. But again, it's not Baldur's Gate three, which is an amazing RPG. Uh, Chris, you've played, I assume, all but two of these games. Uh, this this is the one category outside of maybe some like the soundtrack and a few other categories where I do feel pretty strongly about Baldur's Gate three being the winner because. This, to me, is a true RPG. Taking it back to when we use that definition, it is a true RPG. And it's so funny hearing you talk about it, Dean, because I feel like there is that a little bit of sentiment with Baldur's Gate at the moment where it's the juggernaut. Like, it's it's expected to win everything. And it's so funny because even three months ago, no one would have predicted that. Yeah. Nobody was going... It was, it was the conversation of, okay, what can be tears the kingdom this year like what what is going to be the thing is it going to be diablo 4 is it going to be like it's been a very unexpected year in that sense and now because Baldur's gate has dominated the conversation dominated the amount of awards it it has totally shifted the tide where it is now the game to beat and i feel like a lot of people are almost voting against it so that other things can win uh in my mind i'm like that that is an independent game that deserves all of the praise that it's gotten so when it comes to things like the RPG category, it's like, man, that that has to win. Even if it doesn't win game of the year, it has to win best RPG. This is the game that, as you guys said, makes you role play. It has deep systems. It's about everything that role playing was in the first place. It, like RPG role playing game comes from games like D and D, and that's what totally. this is. This yeah. is take it back, make a tabletop RPG where you can play out a scenario in the way that you want to. Like, how long have we dreamed of a game where you can type in a response or say a response and get something that feels like it's actually reacting to you? And Baldur's Gate, I think, is the closest we've ever gotten to that. Like, my most recent character, I'm playing with this one group where I made Thanos. He's purple. He's a (laughs) half-orc. He even has the tattoos on his chin, so he looks like he has that. I, I made Thanos, and his whole thing is, uh, in a scenario, he flips a coin to determine 50-50 whether he's going to kill you or not. And Oh, my gosh, that's cool. You can play that so many ways, and it's driving my party insane. I feel bad uh, in certain scenarios because they're like, okay, you're, we're, we're going to let this party go. And I'm like, ding! Uh, I rolled a heads, which means they 
get their head taken. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, but that is a true RPG. I, I, I've, I've heard, uh, uh, Brad, you, you kind of brought up like uh, DMC. I, I heard the same kind of conversation last year with God of War Ragnarok. God of War Ragnarok has a surprising amount of systems with RPG light mechanics, but I wouldn't really call it an RPG. It's an action game at its core, much like Final Fantasy. But uh, I think there are several strong games here, yeah. Yeah. So, no, you played Cyberpunk, so I'm curious. Do you think that should have been up for RPG? Because it's weird seeing 16 there, but not Cyberpunk. I, I, would, I would also put it over Final Fantasy 16 for the RPG category. Uh, but I, I do think there are other RPGs, like even an Octopath Traveler 2, I would probably slot in there. Final Fa- uh, sorry, no, uh, not Final Fantasy. Uh, Fire Emblem Engage came out this year as well. Uh, I know some people who really enjoyed that game. Uh, mechanically, it's the strongest. Mechanically, probably. it's very good. It's, yeah. it's it, it definitely deserves to be in there, and there is role playing. <laughs> One in of there the worst with... stories ever, but the mechanics are really good. Totally. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I think I think you could make a case for a lot of games. Yeah, um, I think uh, you mentioned Octopath because yeah, that game has gotten a lot of love. I've only played a few hours of it, but um, everything I've heard makes it sound like it's the game that I wanted from the first game. Uh, it apparently fixes a lot of the issues that I had with the first one because I never finished the first one. So, uh, but I think it, <laughs> that does kind of make the case for making games shorter because that game is like 70 plus hours. And I feel like maybe if it was shorter, more people would have played it and it would be up for more awards. I think it being snubbed is probably just because most people didn't play it. Uh, so, uh, like it's kind of interesting to see, but yeah, that was apparently, uh, up for, People wanted that for best RPG, best soundtrack, etc. So soon we will talk about all of these game awards and their winners, and we'll see who wins and what we think about the wins. Uh, our next podcast will definitely talk about the trailers that we saw and finish up our fantasy draft with Steve. But before we end things up, let's do this segment really quickly: uh, game treat or game trash. I don't know if I, we're going to call it that uh, in Sierra cast we called it tech treat or tech trash um we wanted the quadruple t's up in there but um is that why your twitter name is tech trash (laughs) my twitter name is tech trash because um the tech trash comes from an episode of the tech effect that focused on trash uh e-cycling erased and whatever and i was just like i was just running with it you know we we said tech trash a lot that episode and i just thought it was funny uh so now i'm just tech trash um and where's the lie though but uh this game um in this we'll just pick a game that got announced the week before or got got a release date or something and decide whether we think it will be trash or a treat to us uh the game i chose for this was uh kill the suicide squad because i just think or no, kill, kill the, the Justice, Justice League. League. Yeah, <laughs> Suicide Squad colon kill, kill the, the Justice, Justice League. League. Yes. Yeah, killing the Suicide Squad. Uh, it finally got a release date after it got delayed like a year ish. I feel like it got delayed a lot, and now it's released in February second. Uh, and they showed a whole ten minute gameplay session and had the uh, developers talk to us and whatnot. Um, did you guys did you guys catch up on any of this killers? I did. Yeah, me too. Uh, I still think it's gonna be trash. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I, yeah, I, I actually don't know what they did that was different. I feel the same way. It's it's one of those things, and it, it gives me no 
uh, like it pains me to say that because I love the Arkham trilogy. I still to this day I will defend Arkham Knight. I think that gets way too much hate. Uh, but I, yeah, everything about this game, it's like it's taken them nine years since the last game. Pretty much by the time it'll come out, it'll be nine years since Arkham Knight, and for it to be just such a generic uh, live service title, like even uh, people keep pointing out, and it's so true. All four of these characters, in theory, should have very unique abilities, and they all just use guns. Yeah, like they literally say in the in the new trailer, they literally say like Captain Boomerang. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, uh, and then it's like Captain Boomerang can use a variety of shotguns, assault rifles, and pistols. I'm like, he's Captain Boomerang. Totally. <laughs> like, why would he be like? It's very. It's such a lack of creativity to to take these characters who have like these unique gimmicks and that's what you come up with them like why is killer croc or sorry not killer Croc, uh, killer shark um using a <laughs> freaking guts yeah like, it, like, it doesn't actually make sense it feels kind of lazy like it feels it like you could have done such cool things of captain boomerang leave the traversal i think he teleports which doesn't isn't him at all but fine, if he wants to teleport, fine. Let him teleport. No, their their lore reason for it was he got he, like he, a speed force infused item that he like throws his boomerang and then he like dashes towards it. But like to me, it's just like like even the Avengers game, which had so many issues. At least they made each character feel distinct with their own abilities. Like you didn't see Captain America, even though him using a gun technically would make sense because he's a soldier. But you didn't see any of those characters other than Black Widow using guns because that's just. That's how they play. It's like you have superheroes, yeah. super care, you know, superhuman people. Not all of them, but uh, why are they not more interesting? Yeah, if... and even just like the story, like I, I love what they did with the Arkham series. The story, uh, like it felt like a very like Batman the Animated Series continuation. But even this, it's like the Suicide Squad versus the Justice League. We've seen that before, and like evil superman is so overdone at this point uh even in the context of the dc universe and then you factor in invincible and the boys which both do an, an evil superman uh those are going on right now so it's like to me the story like the only thing that interests me about this game is the fact that it's kevin conroy's last performance as batman which and, and, and in a way that's sad in and of itself not only because he's dead but because it's on this game his last performance for this so yeah, I don't know. I, I would I would love it to come out, and it, it's amazing, and we all want to keep coming back to it, and it's a great live service, but, like, I just... I don't see any world where this isn't going to bomb. I, I don't understand why they delayed it for so long. If it was, I thought they were going to come out with something new, like a new idea, a new, like, single-player, revamp everything, and take their time with it, but it seems like they didn't well, even... The problem is, the delay was more for, like, the optics, uh, just, like, for polishing it, because fundamentally... The core, the core like uh, status of the game like uh, could not be changed at this point. Like, they'd have to re-scrap. Uh, okay. They'd have to scrap it and spend another four or five years to retool everything. I'd like so, done it was that. really just to like sort of polish things. And <sighs> I think them doing this this weekly or monthly video series or whatever is them trying to communicate more about the game. But yeah, it's just uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it's look disappointing. Good. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then. It just hearing that Warner Bros. in general just wants everything to be a live service now, it's like, that's not, no, you're cannibalizing your, your franchises that way. Like, there was rumors that Wonder Woman was going to have live service elements, too. They, they claimed that wasn't true, but I'm like, that should just be a cool single-player nemesis system game. I don't need <laughs> any live service elements, so it's... Just to add one more thing, because you guys touched upon it, where the Arkham games did such a good job of feeling like Batman, both in terms of its gameplay and its narrative. The one thing that stood out to me in this trailer, besides it feeling exactly the same as it did before, was you're telling me 
that the way they get these gadgets is they went to a superhero museum, broke a piece of glass, <laughs> and just took these items? They just... No one has ever thought to do that? Yeah, that's so funny because it's the Hall of Justice, which is like their headquarters. And Batman is a guy who has contingencies for everything. Everything. So like, yeah, if yeah. if... If Harley Quinn was going to try to steal something, there'd be a million pr- safe uh, precautions that Batman They were all in so, the yeah, that's same piece of glass. You just had to get in there. You take it. It just works, too. Amazing. Yeah. Ama- yeah. You know what? Narrative on point. Game of the year. Let's go. <laughs> I also just love, like, King Shark's just, like, him, like, just talking normally. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just a, it's a weird thing. He's just a chill guy. He's just a you chill know. guy. I mean, have you guys seen that Harley Quinn show? No. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Oh uh, yeah, at really least good. in the show, like King Shark, he like he's like they've really changed his personality to make it funny. Whereas this right. is just a, a guy, and it just doesn't make. I don't know. I'm a huge. I love DC heroes. I think they're so fun. I'm a huge DC fan. Not their live action movies because those are trash, but um, just DC World. Um, and they just butchered this. And for me, this will be a game trash. Uh, Brad, Trader Trash. Yeah, Trash. I, and I hate using that word because I know people were, they no doubt worked hard on this for nine years. They, nobody wants to release a bad game. So, like, I, I hate saying that, but I just, you know, it's it's clear that they, they tried so many different things and this is what they got stuck with. So, you're right. That is a harsh way of saying it. Maybe we'll find a new name for this segment and not just yeah. call it a trash. But uh, for t- today and lack of timing, because we got to go, Trash or Treat, Chris? Judgment today is definitely trash. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Kill the Suicide yeah. Quad is coming out February 2nd uh, next year. So, I mean, we might be wrong. Who knows? Uh, before now and then. But until then, in our books, I will mark it down in trash. I'll be keeping a note of all the games we think is good or bad. Uh, and that is it. Thank you for listening to the CF Arcade Cast. Uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Tech Trash or uh, The Daily Dean. Or on Instagram at my daily dose, and I have an article. Nothing about games coming out anytime soon, but I have uh, best smartphones of the year. It should be releasing really soon. Uh, Brad, where can people find you? On Twitter or X, as it is, uh, Brad Shankar, B R A D S H A N K A R, and obviously mobileserif.com as well. I think in terms of the next, the the rest of the year, it'll just be end of year content really that you expect. I, I will. Uh, unilaterally be deciding mobile surf's best games <laughs> of the year again. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you can kind of expect what that's going to be. But uh, yeah, um, we'll do some end of year roundups. I, I generally do roundups of Canadian games as well as looking ahead uh, in for 2024, the Canadian games uh, from that as well. So yeah, stay tuned. And Chris can't be found online anywhere. Don't try to look for him. If you look for him, you'll get the canceled singer. Uh, Darn. <laughs> you, can, you can also find me in the Nintendo Direct. Uh, I, I, Chris Brown often appears there. He sometimes announces Pokemon games and stuff. You both look very confused, but it's true. There's a, a, an announcer named Chris Brown that is part of that. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. That's why I always get a lot of texts when people watch the Nintendo Direct. Oh, funny. I've watched those directs, not noticed his name. But anyways, as always, you can find all of our content at mobilesyrup.com and on mo- at mobilesyrup for Instagram and Twitter. And last but not least, if you guys want to play one of the uh, winning... Oh, no, that's not the game we have uh, for contest. Uh, we have Super Mario RPG. 
up for a contest right now on mobilesyrup.com. If you want to win that game, definitely feel free to enter. All right, and that's it for now. Now, thank you.